guess I could fucking do it like this and don't worry nobody wants to oh my god I can see him and you can <laughs> stare at the curtains and my headphone wire stare at the curtains <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's curtains for your Rocky curtains that was the yeah, that that uh, go back to the way it was, man. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was way better. <laughs> <laughs> or you can hold up the leprechaun. Where's the leprechaun? You can hold him up the whole time. Oh man, he's on top of the fucking record. <laughs> right, sorry, I'm, I'm, kidding. Not no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's do the intro. Do it. That's fine. We're good. Hello, hello, everybody. Hello, Lou. Hello. Hello, hello Manny. Hello. Hello, hello Bruce. Hello. And hello, Greg. It's actually not Greg. It is the special guest of Greg's disembodied voice. <laughs> Take it away, Don Pardo. <laughs> it is the spirit of Greg. Uh, welcome to Rat Salary View. Today, we are doing sort of a tribute show. Um, you know, we should have did this. Well, why are we doing this today anyway? Is there any significance to his being? Uh, well, it was because you gave us a shit ago. ton of interviews. Yeah, that's true, you, too. Yeah. yeah, you had too many guests. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, all these double Sorry, shots and everything, you know, you make us, you're, you're, you're worse than Vince McMahon on a freaking on a 1992 <laughs> Raw schedule, okay? <laughs> Next all right, thing you know, we're gonna be doing this shit in Poughkeepsie, New York, or some shit like that. Some no name down up in, in New York. Live yeah. from Dover, New Jersey. <laughs> uh, but today we are doing like a tribute to uh, the great Randy Rhodes, and uh, everybody should know who Randy Rhodes is. He's the guitar player from, most notably from Ozzy, but uh, he also started Quiet Riot back in the day and um so manny you wanted to do a show about randy Rhodes. you want to start this or lou you want to start this who wants to start uh lou, i would go like ahead to give start. the honor to Gra- uh to manny oh me all right i yes. will do it all right uh randy Rhodes passed away uh tonight uh, 40 years ago uh, last month yeah. randy Rhodes is a gifted guitar player died at the age of 25 one of the most influential guitar players of his generation in the spotlight, his career lasted about 18 months, two years at the most. Um, it just a, an incredible musician whose impact is incredible, the size of the impact of his career, considering what a small amount of time he was in the spotlight. Um, and a reason I wanted to pay tribute to Randy Rhodes, because I felt he was a genius. I did along with Eddie Van Halen. He was probably the most influential guitar player of his generation. I put him up there with Edward Van Halen, Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, as far as influence, and Tony Iommi, of course. And Lou? 
I mean, for me, there's five guitar players who symbolize the L.A. sound that became popular in the 1980s. And I would have to give that credit to uh, counting down from five to one, uh, Warren Martini, Jakey Lee, uh, George Lynch, Eddie Van Halen, and Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes is in my top three favorite guitar players of all time. For me, he's... Um, he's right up there for me with Tony Iommi and, and Eddie. Um, and I feel like, you know, the fact that people still talk about him to this day is a testament to the influence that he had and uh, of the greatness that he had and what he could have done had he still been here. You know, uh, there's always like these what ifs. I'm always hearing what ifs. He's the he's the only other than Cliff Burton. He's the only musician that I that I talk about with other musician friends of mine, where it's always like you know, what if Randy was still alive? And you know, there's a possibility of so many things that could have happened. But you know, we're just grateful that we have that body of music that um, that that he left us. I mean, those first two Ozzy albums, perfection. But you know, for every for every destination, there is a journey towards that destination. So that's what we're here to talk about today. What about you, Greg? Uh, well, I like Randy Rhodes a lot, um, especially his playing on those two Aussie records. I mean, D- Diary of a Madman's really a perfect showcase for him. I like it even better than Blizzard. I think it's... Pr- well, unfortunately, he wasn't with us very long, but it's definitely the best out of his recorded material out there. And um, he was a great guitar player. And, you know, it was funny. I was going back um, and reading like old reviews on it today, like from back in 81 when it came out. Man, a lot of them dudes like Rolling Stone and Variety and all that, they were real assholes. Kept calling him Eddie Van Halen Jr. But, um, what? I, I yeah, but see, I don't get that because, <clears throat> like Lou said, they both represent different parts of the LA sound or what made it up. And even though Randy has his flashy pieces, he's much more classical in his approach. He doesn't sound like Eddie. It's a dumb cheap like- shot. I just don't think people were ready for it. But um, <clears throat> also, there's some really beautiful, really neat stuff on um those quiet riot records and it's just i would love the biggest what if you know that i have towards music other than bon scott still being alive to stay with acdc a little bit longer but um i really wonder what randy bob and lee would have come up with had they been able to go off together like they had planned to do yeah, I, I think maybe why they they compared the two because uh, who else really played like Eddie Van Halen at the time? You know, nobody. Who else yeah, were they going to compare him to? I can kind of understand that. I yeah. do to a certain extent, but I mean, there was Dave Manichetti, but he doesn't sound anything like. And Dave Manichetti never became a star. He was just in Y and T. So I can't think of anybody actually. That's a good point because none of the older guys sounded like. Either one of those guys, not Blackmore, not Iomi, not Page, not 
but but that's the that's the Leslie thing that Weston. I we can go through the list. So that's a good point. What are we gonna say? What I was gonna say that's the thing that I find hilarious is that you know, yeah, I remember growing up and hearing the comparisons. Who's better, Eddie or Randy? And it's like, where do you hear the similarities? Mm. It's like you you can. All due respect to Yngwie Malmsteen, but you could hear the similarities between him and Richie Blackmore. And with all the Absolutely. other neoclassical guys that came in his wake, you could see the similarities between them and Yngwie. It's like Randy had his own, he had his own touch. He had his own flair when he came to it. You know, he was, he was classically influenced while also being influenced by two guys in particular. And that's uh, Glenn Buxton. Uh, correct, Manny? That's correct, yep. And uh, from the Alice Cooper band, the original Alice Cooper band, and Mountains Leslie West. And so, there was one more, uh, Mick Ronson of David Mick Bowie's Ronson, band. yes. Yeah. Especially in Image. Image, and, definitely. And, you know, with, with, um, with Eddie, his biggest influences were, and he admitted it, were Eric Clapton and um, Jimmy Page and Tony Iommi. Now, for each of them, three completely different schools of thought when it comes to guitar playing. So where is the comparison? Just because they play fast? Yeah, because they played fast yeah. and they're in the same, they're from the same area, allegedly. You know, even though you know Randy came from a more classically trained because of his mother having a music degree from, you know, I think from UCLA. Um, so he had a lot more of that music background where I don't know where where Eddie got his you know, cut his teeth, but it's a lot different sound. I mean, he was, you know, Randy was listening to a lot of things before he found Alice Cooper and that kind of sent him down that yeah. path. Well, believe it or yeah, not, with I, Eddie, it was jazz because his father was a jazz clarinet that makes, player. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, the difference between classical and jazz, you know, mm-hmm. they, they have, they literally play differently. You, know, yeah. you hear a lot more swing, a lot more blues. I, I think you hear a lot more swing with Eddie than you can. I think oh, Randy's God, more yes, Especially on that first Van Halen album. Exactly. It's more swing. So mm-hmm. I mean that's right. I mean that's and that's jazz. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. a as a kid, I wouldn't have picked that up though. Uh, but you're right about Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Um, and then if you if you do go back historically to his time in Quiet Riot, you know, that was right before Van Halen got signed. And they were like the two premier L.A. bands battling against each other at the time. So thinking about it, that might have just that competition might have carried forward, I guess, into reviews and shit in the 80s. Yeah, that's true. But those Quiet Riot, uh, that first Quiet Riot album, I mean, the songwriting being partner was uh, Kevin Dubrow. And Kevin Dubrow hadn't developed as a songwriter yet. And I guess in fairness, neither Randy Rhodes, maybe completely, or maybe the ideas were there in the production was terrible. You know, I, I mean, I'm I, not sure where, where I, I lean on that side of things. It's, it's, it's tough to say with some of that stuff because I, there, there's, there's a couple of them like, um, one that I really like, except I think it's on Quiet Riot too, but uh, the acoustic like ballad after Glow of Your Love, it's not yeah. really the way it's written all that interesting of a song. It's all Randy's playing that makes it interesting and brings out these other qualities. But writing wise, 
yeah, they, they, some of it still needed some work. That, that, yeah. You say a lot that a lot about Quiet Riot, though. Yeah, that's true. But there's um, a song well, this is before Riot. cocaine became a hell of a drug. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a, a lot of love songs. Like it was like and I, I was texting you guys, like going like, "This is a lot of love songs, guys." I mean, they really needed to get laid. <laughs> well, they were young back then. Yeah, well, one, one one thing to mention though, "Afterglow of Your Love" was a Small Faces song, written by Steve Marriott uh, and Ronnie that's, Lane. That's right. That's right. Um, that is the cover too. So yeah. I just I have a bootleg CD. It doesn't song. say any of that on it. It just lists the song titles. So I didn't mm. even realize that. Um, but you know, but the funny thing is, though, if you compare the two Choir Riot albums um, that Randy did with them with their future um, releases. There's a cover song on every damn album. That's true. <laughs> they were doing covers That's back true. then. Uh, absolutely true. There's one song on Quiet Riot One. There's the only place I spot Glenn Boxen's influence on their playing. And it's Look Into Any Window um, yes. on Quiet Riot One. That is the only one that I go, all right, they listen to a little bit of Alice, you know, here or there. But that's it. Oh. That was by design. Oh, you think? Yeah, I think so too. So yeah, I mean, and that was actually Randy's first contribution to uh, Quiet Riot, and um, yeah, that's such a great song. I mean, I, I I love it. Both versions, the one that was on um, the first album, and also the one that was released in '93 on Quiet Riot, the Randy Rhodes years. Although this is definitely more updated in terms of its production value. Um, you know, they redid, redid the vocals and the drums and, and the bass, and they put Randy's guitar sound through Carlos Cavazzo's amp to give it an updated sound because, you know, any guitar player could hear it. There's a huge difference in tone from what he did in the 70s to what he ended up doing with Ozzy because the difference is with Ozzy, he was able to afford a Marshall tube amp and his MXR pedals. And all able that. to buy that good shit, pal. That's right. And <laughs> <laughs> but we all know Kevin DeBrow was on the cocaine. I mean, come on, we killed him in the end. Sorry, not sorry. It is what it is. Yeah, that's true. Why um why do you guys think Randy Rosen? He's had such a short career. I mean, Hendrix's career was three or four years, but Randy's makes Hendrix look like he had a 40-year career it's so short. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the quiet riot years, I'm talking about Austin. In your in you guys' opinion, why do you think his influence remains having such a small uh, recorded output? I I think it's because uh, it took it took having the star power of Ozzy to appreciate it because nobody. I mean, let's be real. Who other than the real metal junkies listened to the first two Quiet Riot albums? Yeah, I know they existed. Yeah, no one no one ever knew that they existed. So. It was able to get get him out there to see that he was such a supreme talent, and and maybe that's one of the terrible things that you know it's, it's one of those things like we didn't know we didn't know what was going on there. But I mean, you hear Mr. Crowley and everything, you could tell the guitar riff immediately. You know what song it is, and you know I got those type of songs that are just amazing. So I think it was the partnership with Ozzy, even though you know he's an amazing singer, might not be the best songwriter, but he's a great singer. Greg, right, you go yeah. ahead. Well. It was definitely Ozzy's star power that elevated him, but um, he's a unique singer. 
but I would not go so far as to call him good. And one, one thing about his vocal style is, um, well, there's no other way to say it really. And even Iomi and geezer said it in interviews previously. Um, he follows the riff when he sings and that's pretty much the only way he can sing. And he's kind of limited on tones and shit like that. But, um, Randy was so innovative with his playing style and just what he could do and how he thought about writing music and how in tune he was with Bob and Lee at the time that out of any Ozzy albums to this day, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman by far have the uh, most interesting guitar parts to them, I think. I mean, Dire of Madman especially is it's almost like a giant metal symphony that just leads to this insane crescendo on the last two tracks. Um, S.A.T.O. I mean, it just, if there's one track that really makes you think, wow, what would he have done in the future? It's that one. That is just such a brilliant song. It is. But, and you bring up um, another uh, go ahead i'm sorry greg oh yeah sorry uh i'll finish up real quick but what i was going to say was for example um you know the next album J jake's a good guitar player and did some interesting stuff on bark at the moon however like the ballads on there they're, they're kind of lame and some of them are skippable and even though tonight isn't necessarily the best song on here the acoustic and the different pieces randy does on it is what makes it interesting and really elevates it to the next level and i just as good as jake could play zach etc i just don't think anyone else ever uh had the ingenuity that randy rhodes did that played with him in his solo band obviously well you also brought up another good point the the amount of growth between blizzard of oz and diary that weren't even recorded the year part is incredible as far as not only technique but songwriting in a short amount of time between albums and how much you grew as a player and as a songwriter just in that short amount of time it's incredible for me I, I think it's just there's a danger element on those first two Aussie albums with Randy Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake there's a real sense of, oh, crap, what are they going to do next? And those albums are like 40 and f 40, sorry, 40, 42 and 41 years old at the mm -hmm. point. And I could still listen to them both to this day and still say, geez, what's coming up next? And still have like that bug of excitement every time I hear it. Diary of a Madman is my second favorite album um, ever, right after Van Halen's Fair Warning. And again, why I love that album? Because there's a sense of danger and excitement that uh, that comes to it. And to, I mean, to me, the only two albums that, that come close to that danger element are Diary and Iron Maiden's Killers. So, you know, there, I just told you my three Desert Island albums. But I mean, with, <laughs> um, with Diary, it was just, you know, I, I, believe it or not, over the Mountain was the first Ozzy song I ever heard. And I think I was three or four years old when I first heard it. So here I am as a young kid whose only experience with music is what you saw on Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. And then all of a sudden, one of these kids is dead. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you hear this killer drum fill open the beginning 
And this was me as a kid. I was like, what is this? And I was immediately hooked by that riff. So that's what I mean. There's that danger element there that I'm sorry. And I love Jakey Lee as a guitar player. Zach Wild, eh, I'm indifferent, but he was never able to replicate that uh, with, with, with any guitarist after that. And, and I love them all, but well, I love Jake. That's about it. um, You know, I'm with you there, but I, I, um, there's just something special about those two records, especially diary. I mean, you know, sorry. That's how I feel. You know, what is there need to apologize? It's a great record. Another yeah, about it. I mean, and, and, and I feel bad because like I know you might not like Zach. I enjoy Zach Wilde's playing, but yeah, it doesn't hold a candle to Randy. And and I and I and, I, and I'm kind of happy he doesn't try sometimes because he's just like he's like I know I can't do this, so why why even try to emulate? Just try to do do my version. The the biggest problem I have with Zach is just the over abuse of pinch harmonics. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, like it's, every it's, other it's, fucking it's, note. It's a, it's a trick. It's a one trick. It's a good. It's a good trick. <laughs> it's a good trick. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he, yeah, and like but he's not tricks. pulling a fucking quarter from behind your ear. He's writing albums for millions of dollars. Christ, spice it up once in a while. I'm, if a magician kept trying to pull a quarter from behind my ear after a while, I'll punch him in the face. I'm like, motherfucker, just give me the whole hundred dollar bill. <laughs> I was in a band that uh, the guitar player did the same thing all the time. It was uh, pitch harmonics. And, and, Don't say die bag. Phoenix Rain. No, I was in a band. Yeah, yes, no, it was, was Phoenix Rain. <laughs> oh, that was your band. Yes, I said I was in a band. Uh, the guitarist did those pitch harmonics all the time. Uh, and just, yes, uh, he did. And I had to listen to that fucking album all the way to New goddamn York from Virginia. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> The, the um, songs are good. So, yeah, just to uh, chime in on the uh, chat here, uh, Happy 420, by the way. Uh, that was from Mandir. And uh, the great Harry Barnett, I'm here. The show can begin. Uh, oh, that's, shout- good. that's good. That's good. My doppelganger is watching. Awesome. <laughs> shout out to Eric Adams. That guy is awesome, he says. It's he is awesome. awesome. Oh, boy. We have to bring back, you know, if you say it more than, if you say it three times, he comes back. Oh, no. Lou, you were supposed to send me a video I was supposed to play, I think. For I sent it to you. Oh, you only sent it to me in text, though. I think. So you could have saved it to your phone. You could have airdropped right. it to your phone. I'll do that now. What, what, what Lou's trying to say is poor planning on your time does not constitute an yeah, emergency well. on his. Yeah, how, yeah, how you, dare you try to call it out in the middle of the show, you jerk. You know, <laughs> The boss of this show is so fucking unprofessional. <laughs> That's uh, us. This, he's not this even Motley smoking. Crew That's me, Bob Pirates. No, I don't smoke at all. He's, um, not, he's not the one smoking. I mean, you know, I have a drug. I don't test. either. Tomorrow, tomorrow's national drug test day for me. So, I mean. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I can't afford any artificial joy. So, yeah, yeah I'm out. Uh, oh, no. Nah, it's, it's natural, man. It's the sacrament, you know. Let's all listen to some Peter Tosh. The sacrament. I was I, I was listening to Diane Wood today, and I was like, hmm, oh I don't God. need to smoke any pot. I could just listen to this and get high. <laughs> I well, think that's I a different just... high, though. That's not that's not a weed high. That's like huh? meth. Well, today I listened to Corpse Grinder's solo debut. That was uh, 
actually enjoyed it. From Cannibal yeah. Corpse, yeah. Awesome. Harry meant the uh, Harry meant our mayor, Eric Adams, and not uh, our friend Eric Adams. Yeah, fuck uh, him oh, too. Damn it, he said <laughs> it a <thing laughs> times. Uh, and then he says I suck, which I do because uh, I feel like I'm not adding <laughs> too much to this episode, but uh, only because I got into Ozzy like really late, okay. uh, later than I should have. Um, it was probably like around maybe when I was in high school, probably around ninety five ish, ninety seven ish. So I didn't really get to enjoy listening to like the Randy Rhodes era because I, I, I grew up listening to Zach. So right. I was always impartial to, to Zach's stuff. And, and But obviously, he, he's not the same player as Randy Rhodes is. And everybody remembers Crazy Train, you know, like that, that, that guitar intro, you know, that so always sticks out to me. And, and I, I would imagine that's like a, it's almost like Smoke on the Water. You know, you hear that guitar intro, you know what that song is about. You don't need Absolutely. to really hear too much of it. So just for that, I mean, Randy Rhodes, you know, he was, he was awesome for, for the short period of time that he was here. And it just sucks that we never got to hear more come from, you know, what maybe the third album would have been. Or if you just left rock and roll all together and, and went on and did whatever he was going to do, you know, it'd be cool to see what he would have turned into, you know, now. Yeah, it would it would have been very, very interesting, uh, especially in the 80s when the age of shred. I don't think he would have been a shredder, but right. it would have been interesting to see where he would have taken things. And uh, I agree with you. Well, you I'm know. pretty positive, unlike one of my other heroes, he wouldn't have hooked up with Sammy Hagar and started writing songs for Soccer Mom. So, <laughs> definite missed this opportunity. True. Well, I, I think know, Sammy Hagar... Um, you don't know this. I think Sammy Hagar tried to be the guitar player after Randy Rhodes died. I'm not sure if that's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with these guys? Michael Shanker, Sammy Hagar, Carmen Ambassy, who claimed that that they were all, uh, you know, courted for all these bands. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I have no well, idea. Well, Carmine, I'm trying to be a whore. Well, Carmine, I believe. There's a difference. Carmine, I believe, because, you know, he has played with Ozzy. He has played with Rod Stewart. You know, he was an in-demand drummer that, you know, he he always got the gig. And then Sharon fired him like she fires everyone else who becomes more of a or makes himself more to be a focal point than Ozzy. So, you know, it happens, I guess. But I digress. Anyhow, um, but I, I will say in regard to the whole Shredder thing, yeah. I, I, you know, and, and one of the biggest things is I, I say that Eddie was more influential in terms of rock music. I right. mean, they're, they're, I, I wouldn't call Van Halen a metal band. I would call them like a hard rock band. But, you know, the Aussie stuff, I would definitely call metal. And, you know, a lot of guitarists who came in his wake, he set the precedent with the use of the Flying V, probably more than Schenker did. You know, I mean, people use Sandoval Flying Vs because... Randy's most famous guitar was the polka dot Sandoval Flying V. Because everybody watched Crazy Train because that video was on MTV everywhere. Yes, and regarding Crazy Train, I'll take the live version over the studio version any day. I just think the live version has so much life to it. Um, But the funny thing is, though, Grover Jackson made him the first Jackson Flying V, the, uh, the, the white one with the black binding. Right. There were five of them made. Jackson made five flying bees 
for Randy. The last one, which has a serial number five on it, was a gold one. And Randy never got to play it because, you know, because because he uh, died in the plane crash. So Kiss bought it for Vinnie Vincent, right? That's right. That's right. That's a true story. I didn't. That is a true story. And people wonder, well, why did he switch from the gold to the pink one? The truth is, the gold one is the pink one. He just had to repaint it. Yep. And put the Floyd Rose Bridge on it. So I had no idea. Oh, but um, Lou, speaking of uh, the connection of Randy and his playing to later metal, I'll give you a good example right now. Both also produced by uh, Max Norman. But think about the leads, you know, and the riffs and even the tone of his playing on. diary and then go listen to rust in peace you know hangar 18 yeah i never made that connection but you're definitely right about that and you know the crazy thing is max norman's always down to like do interviews talking about it. he was just uh last year he was on that metal uh the metal voice uh talking about uh his production on the aussie records and into a bunch of his stuff he's such an such an informative guy who still knows his stuff so you know <laughs> That'd be get cool. him on the show. He, Every he time I saw his that. name, cool. and whenever I saw his name attached to an album, I was like, I got to buy it because I know it's going to be good most of the time. Yes, but mm-hmm. like you're not going to buy the album regardless. I mean, look at your wall. <laughs> that is very true. You, you found me out. All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do there, but. <laughs> but do yeah, you I mean, really Rand- need a three disc set? Of the members of Halloween arguing in the dressing room at the <laughs> Rainbow after a show. Could see, I have that back there. <laughs> you know, you know kind of it, that reminds me of the of the of the American Dad episode where he gets in really into my morning jacket and he like buys like the, the bootleg <laughs> CDs. Like the guy, like 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 videotape, like recording him taking a shower and stuff. Yeah, you have that for Halloween, don't you, Wayne? Don't I do, you? I do, I do, I do. It's um, you get the three box set of that. <laughs> but to conclude my point, yeah, uh, Randy influenced Shredder, so yeah. Oh, well. oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I like, I, I feel like some of those guys that came through in the in the '90s were really trying to, you know, they. I mean, that's why everyone had to get a flying V was because of Randy. So you already said absolutely, it, yeah. Not you, Everybody Michael Shanker. Love you, but not you. <laughs> No, well, God, Lou with the heat today. God bless. Oh, I got heat. I got heat. I give credit where it's due, and I just don't like it when people like to be glory hounds for themselves. I, I, I love Michael Schenker, but I hate. I can't. You know what to expect from him every time he does an interview. Yeah, and I mean, but definitely Randy. But then also, even though technically MSG would be a part of it. Um, but a lot of the bands that influence the thrash musicians from the new wave of British heavy metal, you know, nine out of 10 of those bands were playing flying bees on stage. This is true. There were Gibson flying bees. The yeah, Jackson flying I, I'm, bees ju- I'm just saying the look of it, not necessarily the exact guitar. Yeah, you're right. There was, Diamond you know, I'm head saying and, yeah. it would have been Randy, you know, diamond head Holocaust bands like that before. I think anyone would have been directly influenced by Michael with it. Just because it was that different, I would say well, so. 
I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I mean, Michael Shanker is an excellent, excellent guitar player. The work with UFO is untouchable, but I agree. I think Mm -hmm. also, um, but I think his solo work, and this might be unpopular after 1983, Built to Destroy, I just don't think as a songwriter or Shanker grew. Um, I think like uh, with, we're off topic as usual, but the Macaulay Shanker group whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. I think when you're deliberately trying to become an ARO slash hair slash pop metal band, it's not bad, but it didn't sound authentic to me. You know, no. No, that was meant to sell records. It's, it's yeah. the same thing like with Slayer that you feel like they just get like fr- cryogenically frozen every time and then just get woken up like, what year is it? Oh, 1993? Go out there, make a record. Uh, while we're off topic, this is, I think, the perfect time to play the video. Play it. Let's do it. All right. Here's a commercial from do our it. friend Eric Adams for a uh, wrestling show coming up. So we'll be right back. Saturday, Eric Adams has words for Deep South Wrestling and Jacob Johnson. Vet Adams speaks to narcissism on the health of Cedric Terrell. We have five questions with Skrilla the Great, an up-and-coming star. And in our main event, we go into the vault as Dwayne Bruce takes on the NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion, Eric Embry. This and much more this Saturday at 8 a.m. on YouTube. Sponsored by Rat Style Review. Yeah, actually, is it? <laughs> it is true. We got into the wrestling business, folks. <laughs> wrestling business. That's right, no, brother. No, 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 $40,000 no, no, no. contract, it's brother. L-I-N. We did not go into wrestling. We went into wrestling. Wrestling. $40,000 contracts, brother. Dairy Queen every night, brother. <laughs> extra meat, extra cheese. No no pickles, only onions, motherfucker. God damn. <laughs> so here's my question. And um, if someone can answer this, I would greatly appreciate it. But I sincerely doubt anybody could. What was the reason that these two choir ride albums were Japan only. And how did they uh, even get that deal? Record they label didn't sell in the States. No. Uh, it it wasn't one. even released in the States. Uh, they were turned down by every record label. Remember at the time, this is 1977 when this is released. Every record label in the United States had turned them down. Um, not just once, but twice. Actually, I think they formed record labels just for the sole purpose to turn quiet riot down anyway um they got a deal uh their manager was a guy man i cannot remember the guy's manager quiet riots manager now but he had connections with the japanese label at around that time cheap trick had live at budokan that sold very well so the japanese were looking for a similar type looking bands not sounding so they got a deal with uh japan for a very very low budget they sold very well over in Japan, but they never, they couldn't get arrested over here. Matter of fact, the, the second album came out, I believe, in 1978. And the big thing going on in L.A. at that time was the Knack. This is right before the heavy metal explosion happened. And keep in mind, there were bands like Stars and Angel couldn't get arrested. Aerosmith was on a downward spiral. Even though albums were selling, would draw the line. Uh, Kiss were about to change their image with their solo albums and Dynasty. So hard rock, heavy metal was not in vogue, so they could not get any interest from an American label, and they were released overseas. 
Uh, the album sold okay, but there was so little thought or value put to those albums that somehow Kevin Dubrow got the master, the rights of the master tapes from that. I think he just bought them out right from the management uh, that was managing them at the time. And then he just held on to those albums for, for years until that album that you held in your hand, Quiet Riot, the Randy Rhodes years, uh, was released by Kevin Dubrow. Um, as far as the albums not being released, Immediately after Randy's death, there was interest to release those albums by various labels, especially in Quiet Riot, it hit it big. Kevin Dubrow says he didn't want to release them, but he also neglected to say that Dolores Rhodes did not really like those albums. She felt that they would hurt, that's his mother, would help hurt the reputation of Randy Rhodes as a musician because she felt the songwriting the plane wasn't up to what Randy's new fans were used to with Ozzy Osbourne. So that's the short version I have of that. Thank you for uh, sharing that. And the funny thing is, though, with these two albums and even with the Randy Rhodes years comp that came out in 93, you could hear the impetus for what eventually became songs on Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Uh, for oh, example, absolutely. Laughing Gas, uh, they get the, the song that they only did live because the reason why they did, didn't record it was because Randy always did a guitar solo in the middle of it. And, you know, Rand, uh, Kevin DeBrow said in an in interview, he said, yeah, one time we let Randy go for 10 minutes. We just let him do his thing. And it was just, it was sounding too good. We didn't want to stop him. So they can never get it right in the studio. But in that guitar solo, you could hear Deed, Goodbye to Romance, similar to what he would do in his guitar solos with Ozzy. But on top of that, when they got out of the song, you heard the impetus for Crazy Train. Oh, so yeah, true. Crazy Train, actually, that riff in E started the uh, outro for the song. So there's there's a lot of little tidbits in there. Uh, for example, another example, um, Breaking Up as a heart- Heartache. That's the original version of you looking at me, looking at you, uh, especially uh-huh. the uh, guitar break. Force of Habit. That's suicide solution. So, you know, it was it was crazy hearing that. I'm just like, wow, there were those elements of greatness in there. They they definitely were, but it's not the quiet riot that we um, grew to know with metal health. And you know, for me, my two gateway metal bands were Def Leppard and Quiet Riot. I say that proudly. So, you know, you compare these two to Metal Health, there's no comparison. It's like two completely no. different bands. Like, Kevin DeBrow was still looking for his his voice, I guess you could say. Yeah, I agree. He didn't yeah. discover his no, naughty holder uh, type screen yet. I agree. And do I, I don't, this may be wrong to say, I think Randy Rhodes is, too talented for a quiet ride. That's no disrespect to Kevin Dubrow. I, I just don't think as a songwriter, they were, they, they fit. I mean, like you point out, there's all these jams hidden within that guitar solo, just that guitar part and laughing gas. And, and Dubrow didn't recognize it, or maybe Randy didn't want to waste it with him. I don't know, you know, but um yeah, I, I just think I don't think Quiet Riot would have ever made it with that lineup. I think, ironically, it took them breaking up for both both men to find success. I don't think they would have ever found it together. At least that's my opinion. I don't know. What do you guys think? I would agree because I feel like 
and that's no offense to Quiet Riot, but I feel like they're they succeed more on simplicity than they do on on you know actual like you will never you will never confuse Quiet Riot with like Dream Theater. <laughs> not, this, not with lyrics like "I want to kiss your lips," not the ones on your face. Nope, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely won't get the. Uh, Talking about uh, yeah, they've been written by Bob Dylan. What true are you poetry. About? Yes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, I feel like you know maybe quite right did did uh, get success by not opening up things like the sources and and reading anything else, but just trying to get laid songs. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think his guitar playing would have fit in any of that stuff that became popular. It was oil and water, but they were they were friends at the beginning and then and then the king kicked in. Well, <laughs> you know, we definitely well, have to give credit. I also to... oh, sorry Greg, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I also yeah. Ha 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 very funny. <laughs> um, uh I, I think it was also severely, severely limited by being really, I mean, the fact that they were all young and he was really the only real musician slash songwriter in the band. And just with their abilities, I mean, the, the, the first Quiet Riot record's more like a bad glam pop album. It's not even really quite glam rock. I, I don't think they quite attain that until the second one but i just think he was limited even as tight as they were by who he had around them at the time and he needed to get beyond that to grow so even if they had stayed together i don't think he would have been on metal health or anything like that and, and i'm gonna be perfectly honest i don't think he was sorry guys I had to, my phone was dying so i had to plug it in so sorry right. that, that, might, that really? actually might make it sound better um well mute yourself <laughs> Um, I, I honestly think that Randy might not have been all the way to, I mean, I, I, he, they might not have, you know, he might have made one more Aussie album or something like that. Here that, guys. So. Yeah, the funny thing is, it, and, and it's a fact that in between breaks of the diary tour, when they went back, um, Kevin DeBrow and Greg, if I'm wrong, you can correct me on this. Um, he was continuing, not quite right, but he was doing DeBrow with um frankie benali and chuck rice and i don't think carlos was a guitarist in the band yet but you are um, correct he was, and no he, he was not he was doing that and um whenever R- rudy rudy sarzo and randy were uh, on break from tour they'd actually get up on stage and play with um with 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 uh, kevin and um and and frankie yeah, they were so, called DeBro at that time. Yeah. Correct. And yeah. you know, I mean the friendship was still there, although it's it's funny though, because one of the things that led to Rudy Sarzo coming in and meeting Randy in the first place. So let's give credit to the original Quiet Riot lineup, which is Kevin, Randy, um, Kelly Garney on bass, who Randy taught, and Drew Forsyth on drums. Now, Kelly hated Kevin DeBro. <laughs> So well, where I mean, understatement. It, it, you you, you got to admit too, though. I mean, he was their photographer that just kind of was adamant and decided that he was going to be the singer of the band and made them deal with it until he had to learn how to sing acceptably. I can uh, kind of see how some tension may have been started. <laughs> I can right, too, but, but 
they also give Kevin Dubrow, both Randy Rhodes and even Kelly reluctantly have given Kevin Dubrow credit. Kevin was a go-getter. He's the one who booked the, who was able to book gigs. He was able to grab management. He was the guy that, that did all these, uh, all these things for the band. Considering how young they were, that's pretty impressive. But, you know, he was definitely the go-getter. I'm not saying Randy Rhodes doesn't, but again, they were all, as, as you guys point out, they were all kids basically at that point. And Randy was only 25 when he died. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Kevin's also the only guy I know who almost had a hit on him, thanks to Kelly Garney, which uh, apparently over a drunken <laughs> night, one night between him and Randy when he was... Now, apparently, James said it was a gun that he brought with him. Greg said it was a buck knife. Whatever the case... It's a weapon. It, it was a weapon. And Randy and Kelly ended up fighting instead. And then Kelly got fired, and that's when they met Rudy. And um, that's what brought him into the band. But uh, Kelly still to this day has nothing but great things to say about uh, Randy. And I actually purchased his book, which I plan on reading. The only Randy-related book I read was Rudy Sarzo's Off the Rails, which is a great read. One of the funniest stories in that book is it was the tour where Def Leppard was opening for Ozzy in the States. You guys might get a kick out of this. So the, the members of Def Leppard are introducing themselves to Ozzy's band. Pete Willis is, you know, the one of the greatest songwriters Def Leppard ever had in the band. Um, you know, he was introducing himself. Hi, I'm Pete. He goes to Randy. He's like, hi, I'm Pete. Randy goes, hi, I'm Randy. Now, if you're British, you know what I'm Randy means. <laughs> Boing. So Pete Willis's response was in the United States. Pete Willis's Willis's response was, get the fuck away from me. (laughs) That was one of the funniest things I ever read. Hey, I have a question for all of you guys. Since we're talking, uh, would Randy Rhodes, did he need Ozzy Osbourne to be successful? I think Ozzy needed Randy, but would Randy eventually have found an audience whether with a quiet another version of Quiet Rioters on band, or you know, what do you guys think? He needed Ozzy. You yeah. know, Ozzy he needed that. Ozzy at first. He needed yeah. Ozzy. He needed Ozzy for the for to get his foot in the door. Yeah. Then his talent could have yeah, his talent could have walked through the door. Yeah. But he needed he needed that door open. Yeah, which actually could have happened. And because I was reading here earlier, like in in eighty two, uh, Ozzy fired all like the rhythm section of the band. And yeah. they had a bunch of stand-ins coming. And then Randy was pissed off about that. And he seemed like he maybe was going to probably quit the band just in protest of, uh, well, of that happening. Yeah, and Bob, Bob Daisley actually mentioned in an interview that I had read that after that incident, the, the three of them were planning on going off and starting their own band because Randy was really, really upset that his songwriting partners were fired and... You know, it's it's gone back and forth where Ozzy said he didn't know she was going to do it and he blames it totally on Sharon. But then there's also people that say he knew and was part of the decision. I think he was part of the decision. I, I think, think he was, too. Yeah, I think the problem with Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslick wasn't with two things. Hey, even though, you know, they were only in their 30s, they didn't look young and image was becoming a big, big thing in L.A., already by 1981 and two 
uh, these guys wanted their fair share of the royalties. And uh, that wasn't going to uh, fly altogether with Sharon. As a matter of fact, they were in a lawsuit for what? Decades, those two men with uh, Osborne. Yep. I don't know how Randy Rose's estate is treated when it comes to royalties. That I don't know. Or, you know, but. Uh, I don't I think they're on talking Osborne. terms with Ozzy. I think they just get the. the, the I, do you think he still collects the royalties? His estate does. But in terms of having a one-on-one relationship with them, no. Sharon burned the bridge on that. Oh, wow. Shocking. This stepped in. Yeah. And by the way, this edition of Blizzard of Oz that I have Uh is not the original pressing. It's unfortunate to say that this is the one that's got Mike uh, Borden on drums and Rob Trujillo of of Metallica. Corn, uh, not Corn, sorry. What's the difference? Faith No More and uh, Metallica on, uh, I'm kidding, James, uh, uh, as the rhythm section, just to screw Curse Lake and um, Daisley out of royalties. But they added them back in later, right? Because yeah. they were, fans were yeah. pissed. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, on Diary of Man, Man, uh, on my vinyl album, it's got a picture of Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge, but the guys yes. that actually play on it are Lee Kerslick and Bob Daisley, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. They, um, right. for the U.S. and Japanese versions of the albums, Aldridge and Sarzo had already been decided on as the replacements. And they, since they came out after the U.K. and Europe pressings, they have them on there. And Daisley and Kerslick are only credited as songwriters. Yeah, it doesn't even sh- it it gives credit to those guys, but they're not even on the album. It's uh yeah, that's what well, I thought. Again, that was management's idea to screw them out of what they were due. You know, it wasn't until right before Lee Kerslake passed away, rest in peace, Lee Kerslake, that he was actually able to get the golden platinum albums that he rightly earned for Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Yeah. So. Uh, you know what bad. amazes me more than that, though, is What's that, that Bob Daisley continued to work and write songs with Ozzy right up until uh, Osmosis or No More Tears. Payment up front, and that was yep. it. Yeah, well, I think I think because at that point it was clear, like Lemmy wrote with Ozzy, but Lemmy was given the money up front and told up front, you know, this is yeah, yeah. But an odd thing Lemmy said was that. He collected more from the songs that he wrote with Ozzy than he did from any Motorhead album because the songs were played on the radio and on MTV. Mom, I'm coming home. Let me wrote that. Yeah, he wrote that. Yeah. So he was collecting bank from that. Yep. I think um, Randy Rose's career is such a lasted such a short time. That's what amazes me about it. it. It was. It just came and went. You guys are a lot younger than me, apparently. <laughs> uh, There's no apparent in that, Manny, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we discussed that. I was only three years old when Randy Rose died. And James and, and Greg weren't even born you, yet. Why do I look so much younger than you, then, Wayne? Anyway, I don't know. Because you're divorced. Uh, I think it's the hair. Married life. Uh, uh, but, you know, I w- when he died, I was 12 years old, and... It, it wasn't treated as a big deal. It wasn't until a year later, you know, it was stupid at the time. Keep in mind, there was no internet. It was magazines like Hit Prater and Circus, which if you read are pretty terrible, but that's all we had. Suddenly they started elevating this guy um, who had only been dead a year. 
So it wasn't that long. And then Tribute came out. Actually, Greg, is Tribute the King Biscuit Flower Hours show that was played during Randy's lifetime, or is it a different show altogether? Do you know it's anything a- about where that show was recorded? Or um, I, I'd have to look up and see where it's recorded real quick, but that was actually the original prep that they were doing for a live album that they planned on releasing at the time, but Ozzy didn't feel right doing it, so they quickly arranged the Speak of the Devil tour and right. recorded that album of just Sabbath covers in its place. Well, I know originally one of the bones of contention with Randy and Ozzy was because they were they were managed by Don Arden, uh, Sharon's father. And he was very angry at Tony Iommi because everyone was afraid of Ta- uh, Don Arden except one person, apparently, Tony Iommi. He wasn't afraid. He just said, get the hell out of here. You're fired, you know. Yep. Um, and. I guess that got to Don because Tony, I guess, isn't afraid of anybody. I mean, I don't know. What I read, Tony seemed like, you know, he's his own man. But he wanted Ozzy to record an album full of Black Sabbath tunes um, because um, Don Arden somehow got, you know, some rights to the, to this, to the catalog. Not the catalog, the, um, the publishing, um, which later was settled out of court way down the line. Randy didn't want to record an album full of Black Sabbath tunes, but he got kind of talked into it. That was going to be the next live album anyway, was an album full of Black Sabbath songs, which Randy didn't want to do. Again, I think that would have been interesting to hear. Um, And then, like you pointed out, Greg, Randy dies first to get Bernie Torme. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. And... And then Bernie drops out and they, they bring in Brad Gillis. And to Brad Gillis's credit, he did a great job on Speak of the Devil. Considering I agree. Him, yeah. Um, and also like the fact that Brad Gillis did not try to be Randy Rhodes too, or Tony Omi for that matter. So I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. So Manny, to answer your question, except for the song yeah. Suicide Solution, or no, wait, hang uh-huh. on. Um, I don't know in Paranoid or from Cleveland, Ohio and on May 11th, 81 and the rest oh. of the album is from that Montreal show that was on the King Biscuit Flower Hour. Okay. All right. And May 11th of 81, that was my 11th birthday, so fate. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say though? Uh, the, the, the sad thing is that when Ozzy committed to doing the um speak of the devil album that was the impetus for randy to say i quit he said i'll do one tour maybe he will do one more album and rudy goes into detail about this uh, book and he says and then and then i'm done and this is where the infamous slap to randy happened because ozzy was on one of his freaking drunken drugged out binges and you know, rather than sit down and talk things over with Randy, he this he resorts to this, and it you know it, it, it's sad that this was the machine finally breaking, and you know that fateful day in March happened where you know it was Randy Rachel Youngblood who was the hairdresser and a couple of other people in the in in the flight that crashed into the house and they lost their lives 
The crazy thing is, though, this is 1982 we're talking about. Right. So in 1981, the band Rainbow, where when Jolyn Turner was in the band, uh, they were preparing to release Straight Between the Eyes and go on tour with that. Yeah. The, um, the pilot, um, Andrew Acock, I believe his name was, yeah. originally auditioned to be Rainbow's um, uh, a pilot. And Jolyn Turner was interested in him. Richie Blackmore said, no. And Joe said, why? Richie's answer was, there's something black about him. Turns something evil right. about him. Turns out he was so, right. Well, it also, it also goes to the story of that was, I mean, he, he just, he was like the bus driver for that tour. And mm-hmm. they just, they, they, they were broken down or something like that, or they were taking a rest. And he got in the plane. He actually had done, you know, a couple of different joy rides prior to Randy getting on the airplane. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the infamous trying to buzz the the bus getting lower and lower and lower each time because that's what pilots like to do until it was too low. And so, you know how insane that story is. <laughs> no, I, I I did not know it was how bad it actually was. I thought something happened to the plane and it, it like hit into a mountain or something because it's always a mountain. So I didn't really know. It's always a mountain. It's always a mountain. Fucking movie. I know. I know. The unfortunate truth is that it was a drugged out cokehead who you know lost his pilot license and right, said, yeah. "Hey, I'll take one flight and." Yeah. Boom, we lost. Know, it was, it was, this well, was, it was uh, the second flight. He had already done a flight beforehand. Yeah, he did yeah. a flight, and Randy yeah, tried to talk. Ruby yeah, Sons aren't going. Yeah, apparently he he took up uh, keyboardist Don Airy and uh, tour manager Jake Duncan, and they went up a couple times, and then and then when they came back down, they they got uh, Randy Rhodes and the, and the other one, the hairdresser, to go with them. And, uh, Rachel Youngblood, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then they went up, but the, but I, I was also reading too that. Um, uh, Randy was kind of like a jokester, so he was, you know, with the slap to his face, uh, he was trying to maybe, you know, scare Ozzy a little bit while he was sleeping in the tour bus. So that's why they were going towards the bus to try to, like, you know, pull a prank on him. And then, then uh, actually, they did it three times, and then the fourth time, it's always that fucking fourth time, three strikes are out. Uh, they clipped that bus. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? That's called a ball. Three a strike strikes. Four balls, that's three strikes. Three strikes. And that fourth one. That fourth one. He shouldn't have did the fourth one. He went the too far. Is, do your and then a mountain. school fucking math going down. Are you a Mets fan? Is that and then a mountain, came, a mountain came into the scene. And <laughs> the the wild mountain. He's still, he's still rooting for the Brooklyn Dodgers to come back. Yeah, the, the wild mountain in the Florida Everglades, sure. Yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah, Wayne's favorite movie is the Sandlot. It just popped up. It just popped up. <laughs> Guys, up, and up this whole thing. It's a terrible, it's a terrible fucking way to die. Well, Wayne. That just makes, made me think of Eddie Murphy in the first Beverly Hills Cop when he's still in character trying to bust this guy's officers. You wouldn't believe this shit. The truck man, it just stopped. It just stopped. <laughs> Do you do you know where what la, where his last show uh, Randy Rhodes' last show was at? No, was it in Tennessee? Franklin, Tennessee. It was in the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Oh wow! In Knoxville, yeah, Tennessee, that. who where I'm gonna go see here in October, Martin Short and Steve Martin. Oh wow! Oh, it wow. always it always ends in Knoxville. 
Uh, it always does, it always baby. Ends in welcome, welcome here, baby. Welcome to the center of the universe. Bye-bye. It ends in Knoxville on the side of a mountain. But uh, well, they way, hit, way yeah, right, though. Was... It, it was in fucking Florida. They didn't crack <laughs> the damn Smoky Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> but they, 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 they crashed into... started in a mountain, but yet that Smoky Mountain came out and jumped them in fucking Florida. I'm sorry, well, Randy. No, <laughs> Randy was right, though. It was, a, right now. it was a horrible death. Because it was. It, it, it clipped. It, crashed body randy's body was burned beyond recognition ev- I mean, everybody's yeah. was and they, yeah. they couldn't identify anybody but they had to the only way they could identify anybody was through their dental records which is pretty fucked up you know yeah I mean, burned it, was, that I bad. Mean, it, it must have been an instant death but i mean i and then they crashed into the house that uh they yeah. were staying at too so yeah. Was, uh, well yeah that's uh you know a pretty shitty way to go but yeah, yeah. the sad thing is ozzy's credit he never really recuperated and still has right. it yeah. from randy's death which shows that he truly did love him and uh you know i give all the credit in the world to uh people like rudy sarzo and um you know randy's siblings who do everything they can to keep his memory alive you know um and you know the, 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 and there's so many amazing guitarists who have come in the wake of uh, not and you know what I let me correct myself musicians in general uh Brand Daler of Mastodon formerly of today's the day his favorite musician is Randy Rhodes he's got polka dots on his drum sets in honor of Randy um it's with Dusty Rhodes it wasn't Dusty Rhodes it was <laughs> uh, wrong roads uh, and they spell it differently and uh, you know Phil Demel of um, Violence. Not going to name the other band that he was in. Um, he oh has a Jackson Flying Twenty Two on Cheers for Fears and I'm... What the hell was that? What the hell was that, Sorry. Greg? What the hell are you looking at there? Nothing. I sat on my phone and it brought something. Uh huh. You're watching fucking porn again, you fucking deviant. <laughs> no. It, it's, it's three uh, strikes, Greg, and you're going to hit a mountain. It's. Dude, shut up. <laughs> Wayne, I'm wondering who's a bigger train wreck. You this episode or Celio in past Halloween episodes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, at least he's not Eddie Trunk. Yeah. We can all be grateful to Buddha <laughs> that none of us are Eddie Trunk, but I digress. Um the, yeah, the new uh, Michael Schenker out. <laughs> you're you're not my favorite band. Michael, you're the greatest guitarist that ever. You're lived, not friends dude. with Ace either. We can't be uh, Eddie Truck. None yeah, of us true. know Ace freely personally. Nope, I don't know anybody personally. Continue. I know Lou. you personally, and I'm quite ashamed of you. <laughs> we all know you personally. Look, myself. look where it got us. As I was yeah. saying, Phil Demel has a Jackson V with polka dots in honor of Randy. So Randy's influence is still here to this day. People still herald his name. This guy, he was uh, he so was a machine head. Right. <laughs> Asshole! I didn't want to give him any wow. airtime. Wow. Well, uh, well, you know, Randy Rose Estate though hasn't done like the Hendrix Estate or Morrison's Estate or even Bon Scott's Estate. You don't see a lot of T-shirts. Uh, I think a couple of years ago they licensed his uh, his image for a knuckle bone statue. Mm-hmm. They haven't really uh, allowed reissue. You know, I don't know how many live recordings there, are, but I, there have got to be a bunch. You don't just record one live show. Mm-hmm. You know, with Ozzy, they haven't commissioned any live albums. They recently they announced that the Choir Rye One and Two are going to be released domestically. I personally believe it when I see it because the 
press release was so um, so scant. There wasn't very much information, but they haven't really um, taken a. They haven't really, uh, as far as the estate, really. I don't want to use take advantage, but they certainly haven't done what the Hendricks estate has done, or Jim Morrison's, or like I said, Bon Scott and others, where they release stuff or periodically put things together or things like that. So, yeah. Isn't that also, kind of a sad thing because you don't get any of that any of that stuff there. Because I mean, like outside of the music, outside of the the Aussie albums, I mean, his legacy is pretty much that. And I know that, that sucks to say. Yeah, and yeah, and people, and you know, I bet there'd be people if, if it was like, like you know, Kurt Cobain's name's always out there because they keep releasing. There's, their a, yeah, stuff. there's another, there's another good example. Yeah, you know, but they the, just keep doing that. But that's the thing, though; those first two Ozzy albums are still considered classics. Yeah. So if right. that if that's all he needed to be heralded, then good on him. It shows that the talent was there, and you know. um I, I mean, it's it, it's a fact. No one really knows, with the exception of like diehard Randy fans, that those two Quiet Ride albums exist. And the only true, I mean, look, I, I'm gonna flat out admit it. This is a bootleg, but I wanted it, so I got it because I'm I'm a I'm a completist when it comes to like my favorite musicians. That's why I have yeah, the Glam Terra albums. You're the reason why the 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 record business is going out of business. That's you not true because I buy CDs too. I, I, I bought Goth Dad's what, Are you a streamer too? Do you stream music? I stream and if I like it, I buy Unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You probably have a Spotify. You stream you know? too, dickwad. Anyway. <laughs> right along. Yeah, sorry. Not, not all of us can uh, use Bandcamp, you know, where you can find the Project Resurrect album on browsergoesresurrect.bandcamp.com or whatever. Don't even take it to plug your shit, Wayne. Anyways, it's a year old. <laughs> it will be uh, next month. Yeah. Yes, congratulations. Yeah. How many sold? How many downloads? Uh, five, maybe. I mean, actually, Manny, you don't have one, so four. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy one eventually. Yeah, eventually. We'll get around to it. But, but, you know, I mean, I like I said, I still listen to those, uh, especially Diary. Like, that, that is definitely on constant repeat in my car, on my phone. Uh, it, so it's kind of like me with Carnivore and the Retaliation CD. Well, that's another classic right there. Well, that's but, yeah. a classic, yeah. Mm. But like they, when they reissued, uh, they did the uh, special edition of uh, Diary. There's a live recording on that. It doesn't tell me where it's from. I bought it just for the live recording. But I thought that, that was the King Biscuit one. I don't know. I, I, well, great. No, I think that's a different performance, but I don't know. You yeah, know, that's I the thing, that's... though. I mean, when you record a live album, that's why there's so many live doors in Jimi Hendrix albums because you record a you get ready to record a live album. You just don't record one show; you record several shows. So I'm assuming somewhere out there in the vault there's got to be a few Randy Rhodes shows unreleased. Now, granted, maybe they're not going to release them because it's the same songs repeated, or maybe there's a rights issue between the estate and Ozzy, or maybe the estate has no interest in releasing it. I don't know, you know. But I'm assuming there's stuff out there, you know. There is. There is a live Pro Shot concert of the Diary Tour with Randy on it. Last year, I had uh, Damiano Christian, Damiano Christian of Sacred Oath, Mm -hmm. who also moonlights as a guitarist in Blizzard of Oz, an Ozzy Osbourne tribute. And he said he actually saw the live Pro Shot footage. But the person that was about to release it 
kind of blew it up at the last second. So it was never released. But he did see the live footage and it was pro shot. Right now, the only thing that even remotely is a facsimile of a of the diary tour is uh, a bootleg, like the first 35 minutes of it. And it's on YouTube. And the cool thing about it is that's actually the show where the cover of the tribute album was taken. Oh, yeah. And uh, Randy's lifting, being lifted yeah. by Ozzy by the leg. You know, it just, I mean, Randy was a fireball of talent, you know, and like it, it, it pains me that we'll never really get to hear of what he could have truly accomplished. Wayne, you asked the question before, did, no, I'm sorry, Greg, it was you who asked it. Did Ozzy need uh, Randy or did Randy need Ozzy? Personally, they both needed each other. And, you know, that was the only way that Ozzy could have truly bounced back from what what he did with Sabbath. Um, but once Randy, you know, got, you know, guitar for the Path of Team Musicians, guitarist of the year, you know, I don't think there's anything that he could have done. He couldn't have done. So I think that, you know, his legacy would have been preserved and he would have, you know, he would have moved on to greatness. That's just my opinion. No, I agree with you. I also, uh, I think he was such a different guitar player from uh, Tony Iommi and his songwriting style was so different from Tony. Oh, yeah. And also, um, again, 1980 standards, he helped modernize at the, what at, the, at least at what the time considered heavy metal. I'm not even sure if that would be considered heavy metal today, but 1980 it certainly was. And it certainly modernized heavy metal hard rock along with Van Halen. It was those two artists, those two bands that ushered in a whole new era of, of music and the way it's looked at it. Yes, Michael Shanker definitely was an influence with UFO and you could say, you know, UFO was very melodic and they influenced the 80s. That's true. But Ozzy and Van Halen are the ones who had the biggest impact. And Ozzy with Randy Rose, I should say, had the biggest impact of where the music was going forward. Um, and then, you know, later on, you'd have little pockets, Merciful Fate or whatever, that are a whole different type of music. But all of it, you can stem from there, in my opinion, those two artists. Greg, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with what both you and uh, Lou said. And Lou, it was Wayne that asked the question, but you said exactly what I was going to say about they both needed each other. But uh, yeah, other than that, I really don't have much else to add. I don't think I ever asked that question. The, the three of us think the three of us think alike, though, on that pretty much. James. I think you said that Ozzy needed Rand. Uh, Randy needed Ozzy, right? I think at the beginning, Randy needed Ozzy. At the beginning, and then probably, and, and it did show that the you know going through after after Randy's departure from the from from the Earth, the albums did suffer. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but oh god, am I making Wayne laugh over there? Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I don't know why you're corpsing, but we need to send for the man. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I hate to say this, but like, what was the what is an iconic post Randy song outside of No More Tears? Um, bark at the moon. Bark, bark at the moon is all I can think of. Maybe yeah. Shot in the Dark. Maybe. 
Maybe. See, my... But I mean, but that's 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 the point I'm saying. I mean, well, we're talking Ozzy... commercial. Yes, I'm talking no. about like success, like as in, because oh. I mean, like Ozzy really went through a through a lull there after after Randy died, and 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 it's the, no no disrespect to, to Zach Wild. It just he just can't he can't do the same things. He's physic he just physically can't play see, the same way. See, for me, my favorite post Randy Ozzy song is an album cut a real deep cut it i would have to say it would be uh waiting for darkness well that's a Park great the song i love that song mm-hmm. you know it's great but that that's not a song that ozzy ever performed live i mean i've only seen tribute bands attempt attempt to perform it live i would my pick would be secret loser from the ultimate sin and the wraith soundtrack oh yeah that's right wow there's a movie i haven't seen in a long time you know what? What we forget about Ozzy because we keep thinking of what a huge story was when when he got fired from Black Sabbath. So he was, you know, people forget he didn't quit. He got fired. Um, he was at a low ebb, and the chances of him becoming a solo success probably weren't very very high. He was unreliable toward the end. He wasn't known for his songwriting, and the fact that. Much to Ozzy's credit, when Dana Strum brought Randy Rose in for a for a audition, immediately Ozzy recognized his talent. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because he spent like nine, ten years standing next to Tony Iommi. But it's still the fact that he recognized it and that whatever instincts Randy had, he knew how to write for that voice for Ozzy. He knew what was, I mean, crazy trans. And like Wayne pointed out, it's like smoke with water of, of the 80s generation in a way. And he knew how to write for the, that voice. And the fact that he also had Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslick there, who had veteran guys who, I mean, mm. that lineup was, was magical in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if I believe in fate, but that certainly looked, sound, looked like fate there. Oh, yeah. I feel, I feel the same way with the, and, 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 and actually it's, Kind of apropos that I'm going to bring this up is it's a lot like the Foo Fighters after after Kurt Cobain dies and Dave Grohl could have just faded off into the sunset and he found a, a group you know found Taylor and all those guys and they started doing Foo Fighters from the ashes of Nirvana. And again, that's a good point because who who knew that I had no idea Dave Grohl had that much talent or he, I mean I knew he was a great drummer. Actually, he's an excellent drummer. But I had no idea he could write a tune or play a tune or do anything. Exactly. Yeah, usually, I mean, usually you know, can't. Yeah, yeah so most drummers can't do that stuff. But yeah, you know, we, here, look, look at the one guy's doing a podcast. The other guy had had a, had another career. Um, <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know what they call it. Do you know what they call someone who hangs around musicians a drummer? Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you know, one thing we have to give credit though to Ozzy was that he always yeah. had a great rhythm section. I mean, first he had um, Curse Lake and Daisley. Then he had Sarzo and Aldridge. Then he had um, Daisley and Aldridge, who at one point then got replaced with Carmine Apathy and Aldridge. Uh, I'm sorry, and 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 Daisley. Then they fired Carmine. They got Tommy back in the band, yeah. Tommy Aldridge. And um, you know, and and then they had um, Randy Castillo again, another great drummer. Rest in peace with Daisley. So Ozzy, for his recordings, always had. Um, great rhythm section, but I definitely feel like the peak 
of his rhythm section live was Sarzo and Aldridge, you know, um, just, just my opinion. And, um, you know, it really take a, it really took a, a, a great guitar player to make it stand out the, the way that it did. And yeah. And again, uh, I'll say it, those first two albums and even the tribute album, it's, it's magic on record. I agree. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yes, it is. We found him. I've been sitting here the whole time. Looking for the right time to show. Do you ever think they will make a Randy Rhodes pop figure? Yes, at some point I do. Lou has it. If they made one of Lemmy, I'm hoping they make one of Randy. Well, if not, you can always get a bootleg one from my doppelganger in England. That's paging right. Harry Barnett, paging Harry Barnett. Get, get on that Harry Barnett. <laughs> Make that pop figure. What, what was it? What was it from Bewitched? Uh, what was the doctor? Um, fuck. That's a kill patient. No, 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 no. Doctor Bombay. Oh, yeah. Bombay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Lou, for calling Doctor Bombay there. <laughs> I like that. Hey, Wait, I, I just yeah. saw a Funko pop of Miles Davis, and I saw one. Uh, uh, they finally made one of the doors, all four of them. So yeah, they'll really? be able to do one at some point. Absolutely, very cool. He's I, an icon. He's he's not. He's uh, Randy's on the. Uh, he's moved on beyond just a musician. He's an icon like other musicians that have passed away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably, probably the, eventually it happens. Probably the only induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that I could say I I could appreciate it. I was actually surprised they did that. I thought it was great they did that, but I was really surprised that they inducted him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because um, I don't believe Ozzy Solo, as a solo artist, has been inducted. No, only yeah. the first four members of Sabbath got inducted. Dio did not get inducted. I think yeah, I think that's bullshit. bullshit. I can understand Ian Gillen not being inducted. Not that he didn't wouldn't he wouldn't hey. give a shit anyway. But Ronnie James Dio, come on. Yeah, no, 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 Dio. I mean, th- there are. Honestly, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a take a page out of country music here, and, yeah. and Tyler Chidler's should say anybody who's a metal act who gets inducted to the Hall of Fame should just say, "You guys didn't want me here, you know? Then I'm not gonna be here now," and just tell them to go piss off on it. Yeah, it's- well, the, that's why I feel the way I do because I truly think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a joke. But the only thing that I'm saying is to their credit that they actually. <laughs> took a moment to recognize randy's contributions like i thought i was like oh okay well i still hate you but thanks for doing that that's how i feel about it i mean they're they're so they're they're so well esteemed that dolly parton said thanks but no thanks yeah but dolly 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 parton's a real artist i may not be a Mm -hmm. fan of her music but she's a real artist and be careful i'm just saying i i respect her as an artist (laughs) there's no dolly hate here james don't worry (laughs) you got you're gonna catch a mountain you you can make you can make fun of kenny chesney there manny but don't 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 say that dolly pardon that showed a lot of uh i think she belongs in the rock and roll hall of fame maybe she's not a rock musician but if you're gonna put in uh I don't know, Donna Summer, who I do like, and other people. She belongs in there. Maybe they should change it to the Music Hall of Fame, but she certainly belongs. No, that's it. That's going to be in Nashville. That's going to be anywhere. That's going to be in Nashville. Isn't she in the, I'm assuming she's in the country. Oh, is there for, a country? 
Is oh, there there's a country you... music hall of fame. Well, I don't know. Well, that's what I'm asking you. So yeah, oh, I'm saying there's most definitely is. I don't know okay. if she's in there because she no, she, she also be she also there. probably would deny it still because she was inducted into that one too because she's like uh, I'm not dead yet. Listen, personally, that I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is the John Warner Who's Gonna Tickle My Balls convention. That's what I really think it is. So fuck him. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, All right, I was really so, surprised, but especially look, it took Kiss about three hundred years to get in. Alice <laughs> Cooper, Deep Purple, and Eric Carr still didn't get in. What do you mean, Eric Carr didn't get in? Eric Carr didn't get inducted. It was it just wasn't the original he in Kiss, four. or did I lose my mind here? It was in Kiss, wasn't he? Yeah, but or, they only inducted the original four. What about they did was, yeah. I understand not inducting Vinnie Vincent because he's a sham, but well, what about? <laughs> Eric Carr and no. Bruce Cullock. No. See, this is crap. I understand with Black Sabbath not inducting Tony Martin, even though I like him, though I just think he deserves it, or Glenn Hughes with him. But Ronnie James Dio, are you F fucking kidding me? Ronnie James Dio? Don't know what to tell you. Does that make any sense? Anybody? <laughs> Have you heard the albums after the, uh, after the, what's the second album called? Uh, second Dio album. Mob rules. Yeah. Anything after that? Have you heard anything after that? I've what? What about everything? Have you heard the rest of his discography? Who? Black Sabbath? No, Dio. Yeah, I own it. Yeah. It's not that good. I like it a lot, but we're not talking (laughs) about Dio solo. We're talking about Dio with Black (laughs) Sabbath. (laughs) We're we're going off topic here. We can talk about this stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. we're definitely off topic. We're completely off topic. Okay, so Anybody? So, I mean, here, 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 I'll say the true music hall of fame is in Nashville, and it's the country music one because they at least have the balls to put in actual acts that are worth a shit. So, I mean, they put Ray Charles in there. And when did Ray Charles ever drop a country album? Actually, he did. It's uh, so on my uh, mind. Country oh, Western yeah. album. It's actually pretty good. Check it I out. Bet you, I bet you he didn't see that coming. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> That's, <laughs> oh, That's worse oh. than the joke I said to Carl Kennedy. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, but you know, right. I mean, if 40 years Randy Rhodes has gone bringing it back. <laughs> 40, 40 years when and Randy Rhodes is gone, but we still remember uh we still remember his great music. We you know, many of us adorn his t-shirts still. Yeah, it's not officially licensed by the Rhodes estate, but that's how much we love Randy. If we see Randy on a t-shirt, we'll get it. You know, if and trust me, for me, a dream guitar to own would be a uh, polka dot Sandoval V. That would be great. I just don't have the funds for it. So if you like to, please donate to my PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com and, uh, you know. The human fund. Money for people. <laughs> but yeah we love randy man that's really what it is all right the guy's important to the foundation of where metal went from the 80s to now so without him god knows what ozzy would have done he dead dead be dead quite possible <laughs> um honestly i mean you know like blue and manny had and i think even james had said it he needed brandy and if he hadn't been able to find 
a good, strong guitar player like that, he might not even have gotten the deal because the only one that was really in his corner was Sharon. I mean, Don wanted nothing to do with him. As soon as he could uh, dump him off, he gave his management to her brother. Yeah. Wow. There is one interesting thing to add to the story, though. At one point, George Lynch was supposed to... He, he went for the audition for Ozzy's band, and he didn't get it. It went to Randy. So what was the trade-off? George got to teach at Musonia, which was Randy's family's hmm. music school. What the fuck was that? Sharon, this is a joke. I'm trying to get out of this damn place. Okay. Uh, oh, by the way, Luke, uh, Dolly is inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> Dolly Parton is in the Country Music Hall of Fame. I think she, she was. Be. She should be. All right, let's end this. Yeah, yeah, I'd right. like, like to end it out long after ago. that. <laughs> what was that? Right. I said, I said, yes, please, let's end it. I faded out long ago when uh, <laughs> the Rock and Roll Horror of Fame came up. As soon as, as soon as I heard Dolly Parton, I just muted myself and started watching South Park. Oh, you were never here boring. at the beginning, Greg. You're the disembodied <laughs> voice. So you were never here to begin with. So what makes uh, you and, stop and, now? And, and we, we know we can't trust you. Look at what's behind you. Mountains. Three strikes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I didn't know I was in it. I was on the O2 count to begin with. At Wade least I know baseball the league. Four strikes are out. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so everybody stopped watching. Every, actually, ever since I played that Eric Adams video, all the watchers left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <did you> do? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, actually, I should play it again. No, I'm not playing it again. Please all don't. Right. No. Please don't. All right, wait. <laughs> Music is like podcast.com, Red Salad Review.com. Please hit subscribe to our show and to Music is Life show. And um, uh, James, what's going on your show? Nothing? Oh, absolutely nothing right now. Actually, I'm still percolating the, uh, the, the soon to be, well, in future titled college football show I'll be doing. All right, good. Hopefully that happens sometime in this year. And probably it'll happen soon because the season has to start in September. So, oh, so and, you know, it, I, it might be right. just you know random mountains coming out to bite you. you know? <laughs> they are sneaky. They On are. that note, <laughs> sneaky. yeah, they just take millions of years to develop. Exactly, they come, they come up right out and bite you. <laughs> All right, everybody, see you next week. Um, what are we doing next week? We'll Bob's talk about it. Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try and take over the world. I think we're exactly. going to do Bon Scott, but I think Ralph's going to be on, but who knows? All right, we'll, all right, we'll see. Bon Scott Hopefully next week. That's the plan. All right. Money. Yep, goodbye. And to goodbye. quote Frank Zappa, a mountain is something you don't fuck around with. <laughs> and that was the fourth strike. Boy, you made a mountain out of this molehill. Yes, Billy the Mountain, as a matter of fact. Where's the cane? Where's the big cane? Please do this. For fuck's sake. Goodbye. I already said it.